Who's, uh, who's a kid at heart? Come on. There you go right here. Yeah, that's the reward that kids get at the end of the service, but you can have that for the service. And you're going to just, you know, I, you're gonna get, you're, I probably get an amen from you because you're going to be sugar high. It's going to be really fun for you. Amen? It's awesome that you're all here today, and uh, we're so excited and so thankful. We've been in our, our 10 days of fasting and prayer, and uh, 10 is a very uh, significant biblical number. And uh, I just feel the momentum of the Holy Spirit building and building and building every day in prayer. We had a great time of prayer last night, man. It was just awesome uh, to, to gather together and to, you know, we just went through a couple scriptures and we prayed through those scriptures. It was just so rich, the presence of God and the fullness of God. I encourage you, if you've not stepped up to fast and pray yet, we've been getting about a dozen people a night. We had about 16 last night. And uh, God is just building on, on those things, and, and it's just awesome to be. And I know many of you are not able to come, but you're praying at home, which I'm very thankful for, and that's why we're sending out those prayer uh, things for you to be following along with us. Because how many of you know prayer changes things? That was the weakest amen I've ever heard in my life from a church. Wow. How many of you know prayer changes things? Okay, Hallelujah. So, you know, it's interesting to me, uh, the problem with prayer, I was thinking about this in prepping this message, which I'm going to talk about prayer a little bit today, and hopefully encourage you to really kind of ramp up your prayer life a little bit. Um, the problem with prayer is that prayer, um, you know, there's this mentality that, that really only spiritual people pray, and, um, you know, are really serious, you know, like pastors and priests and godly women. That kind of is the, the topic of people kind of hone in on that. You know, guys kind of tend to think, you know, prayers for those other people, but not for me. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you something, that is a lie. That is an absolute deception from the enemy. And uh, I hope today, by the end of today, you're going to say, you know what, I, I just need to grow in my prayer life because this incredible opportunity is being afforded to us by God. And so that's what we need to know. Everybody's invited to prayer. You know, we've, it doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your age. It doesn't matter. All those things. God is like the divine leveler is this thing called prayer. Prayer levels the playing field. Uh, you know, you may not be able to play an instrument like Dwayne. You may not be able to sing like this worship team. You may not be able to, to preach a sermon. But I can tell you this. Every single believer can pray. It is the one thing that we have been afforded by the Holy Spirit, by the power and the presence of God, that if you will take God up on this, this incredible opportunity to enter the kingdom of God and to see things changed. You know, the smallest child can move the hand of God Almighty. Incredible when you think about that. That you have been given this incredible opportunity to partner with God through a thing called prayer. But it leaves me with a question, and the question is this. Why do so few people really engage in prayer? Why? Why is that a problem, even in the church, especially in this hour? <laughs> in this hour of our history, when we have the one thing that we can pull down and pull on, which is the presence and the power of God. You know, I'm going to tell you a little secret about, and we talked about this in the first service, um, you know, the problem with COVID is this. Man thinks they can solve this without God. 
That's the problem. Like, forget about, I don't care about masks or no masks. I'm going to tell you, we think we can solve this without God. And that is the issue. But really, for the church of Jesus Christ in this hour, this is the hour when we say, you know what, more than anybody else, anything else, we need to turn to God and we need to pull down the presence and the kingdom of God into the kingdoms of this world. We've been given authority. We've been given this incredible power and ability. And it's time for the church to exercise that power and that right. Amen? Because the world's not going to do it. (laughs) They're not going to do it. You need to do it and I need to do it. And so we need to show up for prayer. You know, I, I, I kind of think of prayer like mountain climbing, and we'll, that'll make sense in a moment. But how many of you know if you're going to climb a mountain, the first step to climbing a mountain is actually show up? Amen. You can talk about mountain climbing. You can read articles about mountain climbing. You can hear sermons on mountain climbing. But if you don't show up to mountain climb, you're not a mountain climber, Right? I think that's part of the problem is that we're not just showing, we're not just showing up, but I think there's a second problem we're going to look at today, and that second problem is we're climbing the wrong mountain. And that's the problem with why prayer is kind of anemic sometimes, even in the body of Christ. But we're going to solve that today and empower everybody in this room to be able to walk in a new victory when it comes to their prayer life. Amen? That was another week. Amen. Amen. Thank you. See, the sugar's kicking in over here already. We got a strong amen. Hallelujah. But let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit's help in today's message. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your power and your presence. We thank you for the power that is made available to us through this incredible activity called prayer. And Lord, I pray that your people are encouraged today to become mountain climbers. And I pray that they are empowered and just given the joy and the strength in order to achieve what you have called us to be and to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, I always have guest speakers that come to the church and they say, man, your congregation doesn't really amen a whole lot. So you got to get better at that, you guys. You got to get more amen-y. Yeah, thank you. That's good. Here we go. Okay, so here's why we need to understand that mountain climbing, that the prayer life is really, you know, is really about climbing the mountain to lead a God-empowered life. You know, in the scriptures, guys, there are over 500 times that the word mountain is used. 500. And uh, what is happening, every time you read the scripture about mountain, often what it's talking about is going to a place of encountering God. It's, it's, it, it represents climbing this, this place that you come closer to God. And so many times when you're reading scriptures about mountains, it's talking about having this action or activity of being connected and close to God. So in the Old Testament, Moses climbs a mountain to see a burning bush. Remember that? And what does he do? He encounters God. Remember Moses climbs another mountain. He climbs Mount Sinai. And what happens when he goes up Mount Sinai? He receives the law of God, the Ten Commandments. We can see this all throughout. David, uh, he, when he took uh, Mount Zion, 
When he took Mount Zion, that's where he established the city of David, or Jerusalem. And so that's where the temple, Solomon's temple, was built. They climbed the mountain. They met with God. They were encountering God. And so we understand that Mount Carmel, you remember that? Elijah is fighting the prophets of Baal. And those 800 prophets show up, and God shows up and settles the argument. We see this mountain climbing continually listed throughout the scriptures as coming in contact with and and connecting to God. There's another story I want to tell you about today, and that's from the the book of Haggai. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of the background before we read the scripture. So Haggai is one of the minor prophets in one of the several books that are kind of post the exodus of, not the exodus, sorry, where they, they're taken captive and taken into Babylon into captivity. And so what happens is after they're, they're, some people are leaving captivity after 70 years in captivity in Babylon. Now, many of the people stayed in Babylon because they had built their houses there. It's a whole generation that has been living there. But many said, we're going to go back and we're going to establish the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And they went back and they got there and the whole city was devastated and destroyed. Remember, it's been 70 years. And and you remember the book of Nehemiah is one of those books where they get there and the walls of the city are destroyed. And the first thing they do when when they all come back, this, this... this ragtag fugitive fleet that returns to, the, to the, the city of Jerusalem, they say we need to rebuild the walls. Now, if you remember in 2017, we had a 54-day fast in this church. For 54 days, we fasted and prayed, and we said, Lord, we need to rebuild the walls. And what we didn't know, what the congregation didn't know, was that we had been offered a building from... from um, St. Albert by a congregation there. And so our leadership was, uh, during the prayer time, was saying, is this going to be worth taking this building? Should we move this building across farmers' fields and do everything that we need to do? And what we did, we were researching that and praying about it while you were praying and crying out to God during that 54 days. We said, you know what? If we take this building, we're going to save over well over a million dollars. And so we did. At the end of the fast, I got to announce, if you were here, you remember, we got to announce, listen, look what the Lord has done. We have a building. And that building is this building, which is nothing like that building. Do you understand? We cut it apart. We deconstructed it so that God could reconstruct it. How many of you know God's in the reconstruction business? Amen? But you're part of that journey, you guys. You're part of that story, and we get to celebrate that next weekend. It is going to be so epic and awesome. Do not miss next weekend. I I wish I could tell you some of the stuff that's going to be happening, but it's going to be amazing. On Saturday night, we're going to dedicate ourselves, which is why we're in the 10 days of fasting and prayer, and this building to the glory of God. Wow! Saturday night's going to rock it. We're going to have such an amazing time together. Then Sunday, we're going to have Service, barbecue, service, barbecue, service, barbecue, pass out, go home, and just rejoice in the goodness of God. Amen? So it it is going to be awesome. Do not miss next weekend. Sign up after the service. You, You got to be there and bring the people that you know and love and say, look what the Lord has done. We have something to celebrate. And let me tell you something. The power and the presence of God, I'm praying specifically, our our MPs, our MLAs, our mayors are all going to be present. I'm going to tell you the power of God is going to rest on them. Hallelujah. And they're going to say, my sermon next week, I'll give you a little hint, my sermon next week is about why the church is relevant in the 21st century. Woo! Come on now. 
I want these guys to be advocates, say, man, you know what, no matter what, we need to keep the church going, we need to keep the church open, it's awesome what God is doing through the house of God. So we're talking about the book of Haggai, and so he's got these people that have gone, they've come back from, from being exiled, from being ca- taken captive into Babylon, and they go back and they start this 54 days of rebuilding the walls, they rebuild the walls, they rebuild the floor of the temple or the foundation, and then they stop. And they get distracted by their own needs. And so for 20 years, nothing's done on the temple. And so this is where the prophet Haggai speaks. And let's read what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Haggai chapter 1. These people, these people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now this is, well, the Lord's house remains a ruin. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And then he says this statement, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Go up into the mountains. (laughs) You see a mountain climbing scripture again. He's calling the people to be mountain climbers, to say, guys, you got to bring down some timber. You know, I look at our incredible church family and, and the epic journey we're going to, again, celebrate next week of what you've done to build this house. It's taken years and years of dedication to get us to where we are today. And it is worth celebrating. Amen? It is worth partying what God has done. But this is talking not just about bricks and stone and mortar. This is talking about a spiritual house. And and it's talking about, you know, the the thing that we can take out of it for our time is that, you know, God is calling us to build the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord is not just this building, you guys. It's you. You and I are the temples of the Lord. (laughs) Amen? We're, We're God's temple. We're his dwelling place. And so he's saying to us in a spiritual sense, he says, guys, you need to start climbing the mountain so that you can bring down the timber that builds your house, your life. This is what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Amen? You see, Psalm 121 says this, I will lift up my eyes to the mountain from whence my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Listen to me. Religion cannot produce the life of God. Systems of man cannot produce the life of God. Governments cannot produce the life of God. We need God. And the only place to find that is to climb the mountain, to spend time with him. And in spending time with him, he begins to transform us and to change us. Amen? You see, Jesus modeled throughout the New Testament he was the greatest mountain climber of all. I'm going to give you a little, uh, little homework. One of the coolest studies in Scripture is to see how Jesus climbed mountains. You'd be kind of amazed by it. <laughs> I'm going to give you just a couple. We're going to look at a few today. The Sermon on the Mount. You know that one. You know, Jesus constantly climbed the Mount, you know, where the Mount of Olives where he went to pray every day. 
Every day he climbed, climbed that mountain to spend time with God. You know, the Mount of Transfiguration, there's so many times that Jesus climbed mountains. And you need to understand that. Why would the Son of God, why would the living Son of God, why would he need to climb a mountain? Listen to Jesus' own words. For the Son can do nothing by himself, I tell you the truth. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because what the Father does, the Son does also. You see, he climbed the mountains because he understood something intrinsically. The life of God has to be lived with God. You see, religion says, do these things and then God will be pleased with you. That's not Christianity. Christianity says, do these things with God because he is pleased with you. Live your life with God, church. Don't try to live this life outside of having a relationship with God. It will never work. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus climbed mountains. Let's look at a few of those places. He climbed mountains for a place of intimacy. Matthew 14, 23. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. How many of you know he wasn't alone? Amen? He wasn't alone. You see, he climbed that mountain. You know, I always think this way. Jesus never climbed a mountain to prayer in order to get away with people. You know, get away from people. You know, I, that would be me. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sick of people. i got to go talk to God. That, if I was the Son of God, that's how I would think. But, you know, Jesus went away to be with his Father so that he could be with people. He needed to be empowered by the Spirit of God every day in order to be with people. That's why when the disciples looked at Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they understood intrinsically that who, they, who he was was because of his prayer life. Because he climbed that mountain. Are you with me? So it's a place of intimacy. Discipleship is not about keeping a list of rules and regulations. Discipleship is about proximity. It's about I'm going to spend time with God. And so Jesus modeled that. He modeled also a place of learning and growing Matthew 5, 1 and 2. Now listen to this. Now when the, the, they saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. You know, I, I, I think about weird things sometimes. <laughs> How many people didn't go up the mountain? Like, you know, I looked at the mountain and said, that's a long way. Like, Jesus, couldn't you teach us down in the valley? Like, seriously. We're tired. We got to go back to, I got to get back. Netflix has got a good show I want to watch. Like, what's going on? You follow what I'm saying? But who climbed up the mountain? His disciples. His disciples said, Lord, I'm coming to spend time with you. Hallelujah. And so that's what's happening, a place of learning and growing. You know, one of the most significant, uh, some of the most significant times in my life, church, is I open my Bible while I'm praying and I just read a scripture. I wish all of you could have been here yesterday for prayer. We literally ripped apart three scriptures and we prayed about it. It was so rich, so beautiful, so incredible, the encounter we had together with God place of learning and growing how about a place of resolving conflict <laughs> anybody got conflict in their life oh don't your wife's looking at you don't put up your hand brother that's not a time to do that okay here we go they replied listen to this john chapter 7 they replied are you from galilee too look into it you will find that a prophet does not come out of galilee and each went home home to his own home 
But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. See, in John chapter 7, Jesus stands up during this epic festival, and, and while they're pouring water on the altar of the Lord, Jesus stands, out, stands up and literally shouts in the middle of the sermon and says, All who are thirsty, come to me, and rivers of living water shall flow out from you. Wow. And suddenly there's a division amongst them. They're fighting. They're having this fight. What about Jesus? What is he saying? And what, you know, what about that? What is he saying? And, and the two camps become divided. And Jesus is like, I have nothing to do with this. I'm going to the mountain to pray. Can I tell you a little secret, church? <laughs> How many of you, you know, let me, let me talk for a moment about COVID. Try managing a church during COVID. You should have nothing but love for your pastors. <laughs> you should just be thankful that they're saying, you know what, we need, to, we need to jump through these hoops because it's more important that we meet together than we fight against something that, you know what, we're not going to focus on those things. We're going to focus on Christ. Amen? So, so, you know what? Just love each other. That's the whole point. Let's not fight about things. Let's not get into controversy. You have an opportunity to pray. You know, I, I have to ask people that have all kinds of opinions about what's going on. Are you praying? Are you crying out to God? Are you saying, Lord, end this, sever this, destroy this, God, that we might walk in victory and confidence before you, Father God? You're the only hope of the world, even if the world doesn't see it. Amen? Come on now. Place of resolving conflict. Jesus went to the mountain. How about a place of travailing? And you can read about that in Luke chapter 22. He went as usual, I love this, as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Remember his disciples. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away from them and knelt down and he prayed. Amen? Jesus, in the midst of the greatest conflict in his life, in the midst of the turmoil, he's under such stress, such strain, the sins of the world are about to be placed on him. It's so stressful that he's bursting blood cells in his head. He's literally sweating blood. It is a medical condition. It's unbelievable to be under that level of stress. What does Jesus do? Does he say, oh, this is so hard, i got to give up? No. He presses into his Father and says, I've come to the Mount of Olives, God. I've come to pray. I've come to seek your help in the time when I can't fix it on my own. This is the message that Christ comes with. How about a place of commissioning and empowerment? You can read about it in Matthew 28. You can read about it in Acts chapter 1. Let's read Acts chapter 1. I know I'm giving you tons of scripture, but I want you to understand Jesus went up the mountain continually, 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 every day of his life. On one occasion, he was eating with them, and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised that you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates my father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of earth. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them, him from their sight. I love this. They were looking intently up into the sky when he was going. 
when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way that you saw him go. You know, listen to me, church. (laughs) Prayer is not just looking up into heaven. Prayer is not just staring intently up at God, saying, I forget the world, I'm going to focus on God. Prayer is so that you can be empowered to live your life in this world. This is what he's saying. The angels are saying, stop looking up and look at what God has called you to do. He's empowered you to be witnesses. He's empowered you to get into this life. And I want you to understand, this isn't just pastors' jobs. This isn't priests' jobs. This is plumbers' jobs and mechanics' jobs and housewives' jobs. And this is house husbands' jobs. This is your job, my job. This is bankers' job. You're to climb the mountain so that God can equip you to bring his kingdom into every realm of of this world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's just, let's just be better. You have an opportunity to have the king of kings live his life through you as a plumber. Come on. Who doesn't want that plumber coming to their house? When, you know what? After he fixes your problems, he fixes your problems. You know what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying. This is who you want coming to your house. Hallelujah. How about the place of transfiguration? Let me read one more. This is the last one. Mark chapter 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up a high mountain where he was there alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. All that appeared be, and what appeared before them was Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Wow. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. So understand, Jesus is on a high mountain. He brings Peter, James, and John's with him. And he's transfigured. The glory of God is on his life. We see Moses, who's the giver of the law. We see Elijah, who's the chief of the prophets. And we see the giver of the new covenant, Jesus Christ, all standing on one mountain. How many know that's a meeting? (laughs) That would have been awesome to be part of that meeting. And and, and here we are, we're watching this. God is transfigured. And and I want you to know, Jesus is climbing this mountain. And when he comes down transfigured, people start moving toward him. But why then is it so difficult for us to climb the mountain when we see Jesus so often climbing? The necessity of the Son of God showing us how to live as disciples. Here's the second thought. We need to climb the right mountain if we want to live a God-empowered life. I think a lot of people climb the wrong mountain. (laughs) I think a lot of Christians climb the wrong mountain. Let me tell you about the mountain that I think we climb. Um, You see, Moses went up Mount Sinai, which is where the Ten Commandments came from. And when he came down, the glory of God was on his life. But how many of you know people ran from him people hid from him he actually had to wear a bag over his head so people couldn't see him because they were so terrified to be around him the glory of God was meaning something completely different when Moses came down from the mountain and I think that's the mountain that Christians try to climb they try to climb Mount Sinai the place of the law and I want you to know I can tell you right away how you know if you're trying to climb Mount Sinai you ready for this 
if the first thing you talk about when you go to prayer is yourself and how far you fall short of being able to climb the mountain, you're trying to climb the wrong mountain. <laughs> you're trying to climb the wrong mountain. Because you know what? I'm going to tell you, in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that he taught us, how many of you know there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer? Guess where asking for forgiveness is? Fifth. <laughs> you know what comes before? Wonder, awe, amazement, worship, delight. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wow, 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 God, that you have given us access. God, that you have forgiven us. God, that we can come before you. Hallelujah, what a privilege, what an amazing thing that you've done, Lord God. Hallelujah. And then he says, thy kingdom come. <laughs> thy kingdom come, Lord. What's the kingdom of God? Your Father's pleased to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Wow, it doesn't sound like a, a, you know, a terrifying mountain to climb. It sounds like an awesome mountain. And God wants to give you his kingdom. God wants to give you his life. And then way down the list, by the way, oh God, forgive me because I've really blown it today. You talk about God, 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 then yourself. But when you're climbing, climbing Mount Sinai, it's all about me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I failed to do. How many of you know you're not going to last long in prayer if that's your activity? I couldn't last long in prayer if I start with me as the solution. I'm not the solution. And so when I'm climbing that mountain of Sinai, it's not good. Listen to what the scriptures say about Mount Sinai. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 29. You have come to a mountain. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. To a trumpet blast, to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words be spoken to them. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That is not the mountain that you are being asked to climb, church. This was the mountain of the law. This was the mountain of Sinai. You know, Moses, when he came down the mountain, as I told you, had to put a bag on his head because people couldn't look at him because of what it incited in their spirits. But did you catch what happened when Jesus came down the mountain? Did any of you catch it? Let me read it again to you. It's from Mark 9, 15. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. And ran to greet him. How many of you know that's a different mountain? <laughs> they see Jesus and they're not like, oh my goodness, he's been in the presence of God. He just climbed a high mountain. I'm so terrified. No, they see him and they go, wow, we can come to God. And they run toward him in wonder and in awe. You see, Jesus climbed the right mountain. You see, Moses climbed Mount Sinai and brought condemnation through the law. But Jesus climbed a different mountain. What mountain did Jesus climb? Well, you know, he really didn't climb a mountain. 
He climbed a hill. And it's a hill called Calvary. And Jesus didn't climb that hill to go get the timbers to build a religious life. But Jesus climbed that hill with the timber of the cross on his back. He climbed that hill to eliminate every other thing that you and I had to do to climb the hill. He paid the price for my sin and my shortcoming and my failures, for your shortcomings, your sins, and your failures, so that you could come before God, not by trying to climb a mountain, but simply looking at the one who climbed for you. You see, how do you climb Mount Calvary? <laughs> by faith. By faith. Amen? When they asked Jesus what they needed to do in order to be right with God, he said these incredible words. He said, here's the list. Get your pen. Get ready. Click, 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 click. And everybody took out their bics, and they started to write, and they wrote down this. Jesus said this. Here's the first command. You ready for it? Believe in the one that he has sent. Okay, believe in the one he has sent. Okay, number, number two, refer to number one. Thus endeth the list. What are you talking about? There's got to be more. Nope. Believe in the one that he has sent. That's how you climb Mount Calvary. That's how you come before God every single day. Jesus paid the price for you and I so that we can enter the access point of God through prayer. I'm telling you, church, you have dynamite available to you you have power available to you because of what christ has done hallelujah <laughs> see listen to the mountain that you've climbed hebrews 12 carrying on where we left off but you have come to mount zion to the heavenly jerusalem to the city of the living god you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, the spirit of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood of Christ that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see, Abel was killed by his brother, listen to me, and his blood spoke judgment, judgment, judgment. But Jesus was killed for his brothers, and his blood speaks mercy, mercy, mercy. There's nothing in the way of you coming to God, church. Nothing. It's all been dealt with. So we need to be mountain climbers. Amen? We need to climb the mountain called Calvary. <laughs> Not to look at ourselves, but to look at the one who climbed for us so that we might find mercy in our time of need. Amen? Hallelujah. Lorraine, why don't you come up? We're going to close in prayer now. As Lorraine comes, I think it's an honest moment of reflection for everybody here. Here's the first prayer. So everybody bow their head for a moment. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I have been climbing the wrong mountain. <laughs> I have been climbing Mount Sinai and trying to work my head off to please God, but I feel like I fall short every day. 
and then I just don't want to come anymore because it just seems so condemning. If that is you, you need to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to lift that up to the Lord. Lift up your hand to God and say, I need to not climb Mount Sinai. Amen. Many, many of us. Many of us. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for all of you that raised your hand. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, it's a new day, it's a new beginning, it's a new start, it's time to climb Mount Calvary, but not for the sake of climbing, but simply to look at the one who climbed before me. And if that is you, to say, I want to start being a mountain climber, raise your hand. Yes, many of us are raising our hand to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. You know, it's not too late for you to come to prayer at night and you say, well, I don't know how to pray. You know what? You just come and sit in the presence of God. That's all you got to do. If not, just pray at home. But you know what? You don't, nothing's in your way. God has made a way for you to come to him. He's not condemning you. He doesn't hate you. You are the spirit of righteous men made perfect. The Bible says, who by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You are perfected when God sees you. He sees his son, Jesus. Amen? That's it. If you're here today and you're saying, I need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> I need to look to Calvary. I need to look to forgiveness of my sins. I need to stop struggling to try and please God, but rest in what he has done for me. If that is you here today and you need to make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. All of us have had to do that, yes. There are others that would join this one to say, I want to make a commitment of my life to Jesus today. If that is you that raised your hand, and for all of us that have ever raised our hand, we're going to pray together with this one who raised her hand and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus, the greatest mountain climber of all. Help me to live with him and for him in the freedom that you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give this sister a hand clap. Hallelujah. You can still, at the end of this service, you can sign up for next week. You can sign up for prayer nights if you want to come. Seven o'clock tonight, we'll be here. And uh, whatever you need to do, make sure you sign up for the following week, because once those spots are filled, then we're opening it up. At the, by midweek, we're opening it up to our community church. And once our community starts to sign up, then those spots will fill more quickly. So make sure you sign up today, okay? Make sure you go online at home or go outside, and we'll, we'll help you to get signed up. God bless you. What a great day to be in the house of God. Amen? Get excited about next week, because God is going to be doing some awesome things Go in the grace and the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap and then we can go. Amen. If uh, some people want to help wipe down chairs, you can stay and help afterwards. If you got to go, go with, go with God. Amen.